0: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones.
2: From the Cavaliers Radio Studios at Rocket Mortgage Field House in downtown Cleveland. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams. Boy, Jim Jones, that black book of yours. Has been amazing throughout the year for Cavs HQ, and this week's guest certainly deserves his seat in the legend's chair. Mike Fratello is going to be joining us.
1: Well, Mike is a special person. He's a special man, special coach, and a special broadcaster. And then you listen to some of his stories and dialogues. It's just very interesting and uplifting because it shows you what can happen with hard work, smarts, and understanding uh, your occupation. The one thing that always is prominent when I think of Mike is his preparation. He was the most prepared coach, the most prepared broadcaster that I've ever seen.
2: So we are really looking forward to having Mike Fritello join us as this Cavs season winds to a close. One more game to play as the Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets will square off tonight in Brooklyn. So we'll talk about that and we'll hear from Mike Fratello following this on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. And we welcome you back. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn, jim jones on the other side of the window we've got the terrific dynamic duo of marty allen kurt mclaughlin they're joined on cavs hq by leo simone well the legends chair becomes more legendary during this edition of cavs hq as joining us is mike fratello as he settles in with his cappuccino in the legends chair and Boy, uh, you talk about a legend as far as uh, NBA coaches are concerned, as well as his television work on the network side. Uh, He has had an unbelievable career in the NBA. Coach Fratello, it is great to have you with us. Hopefully that cappuccino is going down very smoothly in the legends chair.
3: Let me get this straight. Is legendary the same as... Getting older? Is that what it means? No. Legendary older? <laughs> no. I Coach do qualify for the second one. But, <laughs> Coach they call it longevity. Okay. <laughs>
2: well, Thank you,
3: you so much, guys, for you, having me on. I'm uh, looking forward to this very much.
2: You, you coached 15-plus years in the NBA, including six here in Cleveland. And, uh, Mike, not just because we've got you on the uh, on the phone line right now, I thought and still do think you were a premier TV analyst, the uh, the czar of the telestrator. I don't think anybody ever did it better.
3: I appreciate that. I, I You know, I cannot believe, looking back uh, on my career in broadcasting, who I wound up working with. The guy that interviewed me for the NBC job was Bob Costas. That was my interview tape. Then the guy that I wound up being paired up with was the legendary Hall of Famer Marv Albert. Yep. Uh, Then, as you go through your career, and I was fortunate enough to do games for the Miami Heat, for the Detroit Pistons, for the Los Angeles Clippers. So I was doing team regional games while I was doing the national games on NBC. And then after NBC, my three-year run ended when I wound up going back into coaching once again. But when that ended, I went back to TNT. You're just alongside so many great people uh, that help you and help you understand, and uh, it's kind of interesting as you change the person alongside you, understanding what their characteristics are, when it's time for you to say something, when it's time for you to keep quiet and let their greatness shine through.
1: Well, Mike, uh, I was looking at some of your stuff today, and I was, and I called Leo, and I said, Leo, this is a full show. I said, to do Mike Fratello justice, we have to let people know some things that maybe they're not familiar with. I want to tell you this one thing, your preparation. And I told you the story of when I, when I talked to you the other day, coach Rothstein, your assistant coach, he and I were sitting on the plane and we were watching you come to the plane and you had this foot long pile of vanilla folders, no suitcase. And this is how you went around on the road trips and, you know, studying we'll be on three hour flights You would have your reading glasses on, and uh, you were in constant prep. And I remember Rostein says, why in the heck does he need all those damn folders? Uh, Because uh, one thing that I learned from you, and Rostein told me that, was your preparation. Uh, Talk a little bit about that.
3: Jim, besides the broadcasting career and working alongside great people, my coaching career
1: was very similar as far
3: as the people that I worked under as assistant coach. You know, I had never been a head coach at any level until I got the Atlanta job, and that was one year in high school coaching as an assistant there, and I had my own freshman team that they allowed me to coach, and then on to college, uh, University of Rhode Island, James Madison, and then Villanova under Roley Massimino. James Madison was under Lou Campanelli, who eventually became the coach at Cal and was the guy who recruited Jason Kidd uh, to Cal. And so that was another eight years of being an assistant coach in college. And then Hubie Brown asked me to come to the Hawks as his assistant.
1: And I can remember
3: the first couple of days with Roly Massimino at Villanova, we were leaving the building and roly would be carrying these bags out. He'd have like two or three of these little bags that he'd carry out. <laughs> And after the first or second day together, I said, well, what are you doing carrying those every day? Because you bring them back the next morning. And he said, those are my brains. And he didn't want his brains being stolen. So all the valuable and vital things, drills, practices, wherever it was, he had them in those three bags. And he would lock them in his trunk of the car, take them home. If he wanted to do something at night, he'd pull one out or just leave them there until the next morning when he went back in again. If I made a, any contribution at all to Rolly at Villanova, I felt very proud that I bought him the file cabinet that he could leave his brains in and lock them up at the <laughs> end of the night so he didn't have to carry them out every night, bring them back every morning. What was that a hard one to get him to have confidence that nobody would break in his file cabinet. <laughs>
2: Again, we're talking with Mike Fratello as he settles in the Legends Chair, or as Mike has termed it, the Longevity Chair. Great to have him on Cavs HQ. Coach, can you take a couple of moments and just talk about the Hubie Brown influence and the brilliant basketball mind of Hubie Brown?
3: That would take a whole show and maybe (laughs) two shows to catch up on everything. Just I know that he's the person that got me into the NBA, that taught me about the NBA, and you know, people may have never understood why did you be pick me to come along with him uh, to Atlanta. But it goes back to high school. I played in North Jersey in the uh, NNJIL, was the name of the league that we played in. And Hackensack High School, where I went to, played. And one of the teams in our league was Fairlawn High School. And the new head coach they had just named was Hubie Brown. So he was the assistant in football. He was the head coach in basketball and the head coach in baseball. Wow. And I played football, basketball, and baseball. So I played against Hubie in every one of the sports. And in the summer, after high school, Hubie called and said, would you like to play in our summer basketball league? I said, great. Then he said, by the way, do you have a job for the summer? Would you like to be a lifeguard running this swim club? So (laughs) I'm going to be a lifeguard at the swim club, which – Well, if you talk about hating something, it was getting there at 6.30 in the morning, and I don't know why it was me, but I had to go in the pool in the water to vacuum the bottom of the pool at 6.30 in the morning when it was freezing. And don't think I had a rubber suit because I did not. And that was my introduction to Hubie, and then all the clinics that he would do, I would go and listen, sit out there and listen. And when he eventually gave me the job, kind of an interesting story, first day I came, he said, you stay at my house until you look around, get a place. When you see something you like, it, you buy it. Otherwise, just stay at my house. So each morning, I'd get up with my yellow pad, go down to the breakfast table, and I'd say, I want to do some basketball today. I didn't know the NBA. I-, I had to be taught the NBA. And he'd say, why don't we just go hit some tennis balls? He said, I'm trying to learn how to play tennis. We'll get to that later on. Well, that happened for like 12, 14 straight days of hitting tennis balls and no basketball. The day before practice, I said, I don't have any idea what we're doing tomorrow. He said, all right, get your pad. He gave me three sets, three plays he gave me, the five set, the 31 set, and the 40 series. And he said, if you learn those three and all the options, you'll be okay. He said, just listen to me and practice the next day. So the next day I had about 50 index cards in my pocket, the coaching shorts. (laughs) Everything he did in practice, I wrote down. We go back in, we shower after. He said, what did you think of the first practice? I said, oh, my God, I'm, you put so much <laughs> stuff in in the first practice. We we almost could play a game, I felt, after that. He said, well, watch tonight when we come back. So we come back for the second session. Same thing goes on. I'm writing down on my cards. We're in the coach's locker room. We're showering after it. He said, what would you think? <laughs> I said, wow. He said I, I said, I can't believe how much these players have to learn In one day, two sessions. And he said, good, because tomorrow I'm not going to be here. I have to speak at some coaches clinic. He said, you're you're running practice tomorrow. (laughs) You talk about almost falling over in the locker room. I said, I'm running practice. He says, yeah. He said, I saw you writing down everything on the cards. I said, what do I do with practice tomorrow? He said, do the same thing we did today, but do it better tomorrow. And that was the my introduction to the NBA on day two, taking over the practice with him gone.
2: Oh, what an awesome story. It's that's a, that's a legendary story, Mike Fratello. That's great. All right, we're going to sneak in a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have more with Mike Fratello. He joins us in the Legends Chair on Catnus HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network.
0: Cavs HQ is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.
2: And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones. Boy, Jim once again has opened up that <laughs> incredible black book of his, lined up another legend in the legend's chair as this week we talk to former Cavs head coach, Mike Fratello. Jim?
1: Mike, I'm going to throw you a lot of accolades because I learned how to broadcast by listening to Bill Russell. Let me quantify that. Early Bill Russell, like probably all of us did. But this is my group of the most impressive, most knowledgeable people about broadcasting in our game. Bill Russell and no particular order for the other guys, but you know, Doc Rivers is a Marquette guy. And uh, Hubie Brown, of course, who I think is the Dean of all of our broadcasters with his uh, presentation and his depth of knowledge. And then uh, Mike Fratello, Steve well, Thank Kerr, you very much, that's an honor. Yes, that's some Steve list of Kerr. names right there, that's an honor. Yeah, uh, Steve Kerr and Mike Green. Mike. I used to talk to Ron Rothstein a lot. You know, Ron and I became pretty close. And when he's doing the Miami stuff, I came to him. I said, Coach, I have to make a confession. He said, What's the confession? I said, "Uh, I copy all your stuff. He said, Hell, we all copy each other's stuff. (laughs) And uh, we both had a big laugh. But all of you guys have had a profound effect on my timing, my preparation, the depth by telling people something more than the obvious. Now... In 15 years of coaching, you have been to the playoffs 11 times, and that is unheard of in our league. I want you to talk to our fans about the new NBA play-in because I don't think they really understand the positives and the negatives, if there are any negatives. Can you talk a little bit on that? It's an interesting concept
3: that the league came up with, and just so our listeners understand what really happens, the first six teams in the East and Western Conference – are locked into the playoffs. They know their position. So one's going to play eight eventually. Two will play seven eventually. Three will play six. and Four will play five. But teams number seven and eight, and this is where you're going to have some teams that aren't so happy. In fact, I remember Mark Cuban was one of the first people to speak up when they announced this over a year ago, and he said, this is a great idea. And now that Dallas was flirting with that 6-7 spot, Mark Cuban was like, who thought about this idea? <laughs> it's terrible. But, but Mark Cuban can change back and forth if he wants to. Okay, Remember that. Because he's on Shark Tank. We can't forget that. Anyhow, yes. um, the new play-in situation is at the end of the regular season, which is Sunday night, the positions will be locked in. Teams number 7 and 8, 9 and 10 will be playing after a day off. Seven will play eight. For example, right now, it would be Boston playing Charlotte. Whoever wins that game is in the seventh spot. Boom, it's done. The team that loses that game will play the winner of 9-10. So, for example, Indiana's 9 and Washington's 10 right now. Whoever wins that game will play the loser of Boston-Charlotte. The team that loses between 9 and 10 goes home. They're on vacation. They go fishing as... Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith said. So what the concept does is it keeps another couple franchises alive. We see guys playing hard, playing well, not sitting out games because they're so meaningful for those teams in the six, seven, eight, nine and ten position. And I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around whether I like it or don't like it. I I know I look at the standings every day as soon as I get up. If I didn't watch the games the night before, I want to know who's where and how meaningful is the game coming up that evening. So, for example, Westbrook uh, last night for Washington, okay, wind up with another triple-double, the the 183rd of his career, um, leading everyone in the NBA. In a very meaningful game, you know Washington has now locked up a play-in game. So they're locked that 10th spot or 9 if they wind up winning uh, the next one. But that's what it's done for the league, created some more excitement, allowed four more franchises, 9 and 10 on the east and west, to still be alive coming down the stretch. And I just have a little problem understanding that if I'm 7 and I'm 5 games ahead of the 8th spot, coming down the stretch why do I have to play eight to still lock in that seven position that's where guys I think have a problem with it but otherwise it's kind of exciting
2: yeah I think it's added some intrigue and some interest and as you said coach I think everybody's looking at those standings every morning and now we go into this final weekend with games that have a lot of meaning to them you're not just playing out the string at this point so as a fan of the NBA, and certainly as an employee of the league as well, or of the Cavaliers, uh, I think it's added a little bit of interest to things. But you're right. You you go back and forth as far as do I really like it or are there things they can tweak. But uh, it's certainly going to make things interesting uh, in the early part of the week, no doubt about that.
3: Let me just say this also, Ed, real quickly. You tell me if every coach next year when the season starts isn't going to be saying to their team from day one, do you understand how important it is that we wind up in the top six? Because yes. <laughs> do we want to play one game that could eliminate us from moving on? So from day one, the regular season games may take a little bit more of, a, of an importance to them because you want to be one through six, so you're not involved yeah. in this play and stuff. That's how I feel about
2: it. Yeah, it's critical. Coach, uh, Jim mentioned that of your 15 years in the league as a head coach, uh, you had 11 playoff teams, and uh, I'm sure there were some years uh, you knew, boy, I just don't have the horses, but you know, we're going to give it our shot. But when you look back, is there a team or two that you thought, man, all the pieces were there. It just didn't come together as far as an NBA title. Is there a team or two that that still gnaws at you?
3: There are two teams that I think of. One was the team that lost uh, in Game 7 by two points at Boston, uh, and that was – four games to three in my mind I never get over the fact that we had lost the first two games and came back to win three straight so we're up three two going back to Atlanta and obviously you know was we'll and we got to win this one and it was a bad sign from the opening tip because one of the things that we really had to take away from Boston was their three-point shooting not that three-point shooting was as prevalent back then as it is now but they had enough baskets from behind the three-point line that it made a difference when you're playing, you know, one, two, three-point games. So we had done that in those games number three, four, and five. We had taken the three-point line away. And on the opening tip of game six in Atlanta, they won the tip, tipped it straight ahead, Ames dribbled the ball twice behind the three-point line, stopped and shot it, and it went in. And I just looked at my assistant coaches. As if to say, "Uh, I don't like that. And I think we wound up celebrating a little. We were a young team. We came back from being down 0-2. We won three straight against Boston. And we were in a position to close them out. And we wound up losing that game by two points in game six. Then we had to go back to Boston to play game seven. And we lost that one by two points. That was a magnificent game that Dominique had versus uh, Larry Bird for the Celtics. Yep. And I'll never forget that. That was our chance. I really thought we had an opportunity. And we were young. We only had a couple guys that were what you'd call veteran guys, been around for a few years. Tree Rollins was one of them. And I just thought if you sit and wait your turn, tweak something here, the nucleus of Doc Rivers and Randy Whitman and Dominique, Cliff Levingston, Kevin Willis, Antoine Carr, I thought like we're going to do this a number of times and and have a breakthrough. But we didn't. We didn't stay with it because an opportunity came up to trade for two former all-stars. But they were two all-stars that were at the ends of their careers. But for whatever the reasons, it was done. We wound up trading away Randy Whitman. We traded. We got rid of Tree Rollins. And we brought in Moses Malone at the end of his career and Reggie Theus at the end of his career and. What we lost was we lost the chemistry, and it's not to say those players weren't great players throughout their careers, but we lost the chemistry that we had with that group, and we couldn't get it back again. Yeah, we won 50 games the next year, but we're eliminated right away in the playoffs, and there was just something missing with that group, and and that's the group, if you looked at it on paper, you said, wow, these guys got a chance to do a lot of damage, but if you had the feel, it just wasn't the same.
2: Great recollection, Coach. Great recollection. All right, quick timeout. When we come back, one more quick segment with Coach Fratello. Mike Fratello joins us in the Legends Chair on Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Westfield is helping small businesses shine brighter. Together with the Cavs, we congratulate the 2021 Small Business Spotlight winner, Boss Chicken Beer in Bay Village and Berea. Nominate your favorite local business serving the food industry at Cavs.com slash Westfield. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones. Boy, we're thrilled to have Mike Bertello joining us on this week's edition of Cavs HQ. Jim Jones, you lined up the guest. Fire away, my friend.
1: Uh, coach, in the last segment, you said something about chemistry. And you said something about young teams. How important is chemistry? We talk about it. We We have talked about it all season. With this young Cavalier team and all the injuries and the protocols, we just haven't been able to, to, to be consistent in our continuity and chemistry. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Well, the one word I like uh, or that I want to bring up that you said, Jim, is when you said injuries. And I look around the league and I see staffs that are five times the size of the staffs that we had back when we were coaching. You may have had two assistants. If you were lucky, you had three assistants. And the responsibilities in Atlanta, I had a trainer named Joe O'Toole. Yeah, what I know Joe did was tape every day, treatment every day, strength and conditioning every day, pass out the per diem at the airport, get the plane tickets on the commercial flights that we flew, get the uniforms ready, get the practice uniforms clean. You want me to keep going on, like sneakers coming in from the sneaker companies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was all Joe O'Toole. And that's why the door to his office had a sign on it that said, hey, Joe. Because you imagine how many times during the day somebody came in and said, (laughs) hey, Joe, I need this. Or, hey, Joe, I need that. So that's the sign that they put up on his door. But it was so true. Now we have, like I said, five times the size of the staffs. And we have players that don't play in the games because they're always hurt. What are they doing that they're getting hurt now and can't play? Versus back then, well, we didn't have near the brain power that we have nowadays on staffs. Now we have people analyzing whether you can practice today or is the workload too heavy, or how many minutes he can play in the game. Well, should he sit out tonight? And it's such a huge part to hear the young man from. Uh, Ivica Zubac, the center for the Los Angeles Clippers, yes. to hear him talk to the media when they said, hey, Zubac, you've played every game this year. You haven't sat out. And he said, I don't sit out. I play. I was like, oh, man, there's a guy <laughs> That's a from the old days. <laughs> yes. I don't sit out. I play. So the first thing is, you know, you talk about ability. Well, the most important thing is Availability. Are you ready to go night in and night out to help your team, your franchise? Because it's so hard to piece it together, so hard to sustain any chemistry that you might build when you have important pieces consistently missing basketball games. So that's something I don't know how we deal with it as we move forward. We don't want to injure our guys, but, Jim, I I mean, you could attest to it. You strapped it up. Okay, you went out and you played your games, you did your job like you're supposed to. And does an injury come along every now and then. Yes, it's inevitable. It's a physical contact sport, but got to be there for most of the games. I think if you want your team to have a chance, if you're one of the premier players and it's almost become. You remember pitchers in baseball? If you had a complete game, it was like, oh, man, he's got 10 complete games this year. Now, if they get to the sixth or seventh inning, it's like they celebrate when he's coming off the field that he <laughs> pitched right. six whole innings of baseball. Well, right. in basketball, it used to be how many games did the guy play during the season? Well, he played 80 at 82. Wow, that's really good. Now, it's almost the other way. It's like cool if you sit out and miss games. Unless you're the coach of that team and you're looking for the guys to play, so I, I think it's a long, roundabout answer. But that's how I feel right now. What's going on, and and how you deal with these the teams, and how do you build chemistry? You can do all you want as far as dinners and trips and meetings, etc. The guy doesn't put a uniform on; it's really hard to win.
2: Boy, no doubt coach uh, earlier in the show you talked about hubie brown and his influence on you and boy now when you look at the nba there are guys coaching that played for you doc rivers you mentioned doc uh, head coach at philadelphia just an elite nba coach you had scotty brooks while you were here in cleveland uh when you had them as players did you look at them and say that's a future nba coach
3: you knew it just by the conversations you know I'll go Scotty first. I mean, Scotty was first guy out on, on the floor when practice started and the last guy to leave without. I mean, he would not leave unless they had their three-on-three pickup games. And, I, you know, I, I named him champion of the three-on-three after practice league. Uh, and perhaps he was in the running for perhaps the greatest three-on-three player uh, ever. John Crotty was in the running against Scotty Brooks for the after-practice three-on-three MVP of all time in our practices, but you knew Scotty was observant. He was watching. He had questions. Doc was sensational. Doc was never afraid to ask you a question, never afraid to challenge you and ask you, why don't we do it this way? Or why don't we do it that way? Or, what about this? And it gave you an indication just the way he handled himself. Uh, the fact that he had great confidence uh, that this guy, if he wants to go into coaching at some point, would be a terrific coach, and he certainly has done that.
1: Coach, uh, I know you're very familiar with our Cavalier team. Could you give us an idea, you know, from your perspective as to are we approaching this the right way? I know that you know how to build a team. There's no one that gets to 11 playoffs in 15 years without knowing how to develop a team. Can you talk a little bit about our development?
3: We made a decision after the glory years uh, of tearing it back down, and there are a number of franchises that we can point to, the Knicks being one, Chicago Bulls. They elected to go that route and then never got back to the playoffs for maybe eight or ten years. You think you can do it overnight, but you can't. You have to understand the downside of doing this, taking a a gamble. Uh, If you make one bad pick, if you have – you know a high very high pick in the draft and you choose the wrong guy that can set you back a year or two a critical injury think about Portland when they took Sam Bowie and could have had somebody else but you know the injuries (laughs) to Bowie and you know you look back on and say well could have should have but having said that the decision was made and now you have to decide how do you approach it what position can you get strong in right away so we have such young, dynamic players, Colin Sexton, uh, Darius, okay, who would nice to see him come back last night after the uh, sprained ankle. Um, Okoro. How about Allen at the center position? I mean, he's a veteran guy at, what, 22 years of age, whatever he is. Right. And yes. Uh, you've got very, very good young pieces. For, for Darius, this could be the best he's played so far since he's entered into the nba his numbers in april were incredible he's 21 years old and his future is very very bright i I think in his first year we saw a confused young man trying to figure out what do i do in the point guard spot do i just give the ball up to everybody else and let them score so i can be called a true point guard or i know i can make shots so when do i shoot all that was going through his head His body had to get stronger. It wasn't ready for the NBA. Decision-making process, game after game. Oh, by the way, you're supposed to guard at the other end of the floor also. Tonight it's Westbrook. Tomorrow night it's Chris Paul. You got your hands full. And that's what I saw a year ago. And now, after this last stretch, before this injury, I see a very, very bright future for this young man. As you know, Jim, if guys can make shots, that's one big plus they have Uh, on their uh, plus-minus column. And then the other one, you know, Coro coming in, uh, I I think has been thrust into a position of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What I'm talking about is he's had to play a a playmaking role a lot because of the injuries to other people on the floor, and he's handled that well. Remember, coming out of college, he was considered the number one perimeter defender in college basketball coming out. So when the Cavs got him, They were thinking about, you know, solidifying their defense on the perimeter, a guy who could guard one, two, or three, and tough enough to guard small fours. So, through everything he's gone through, now we see his game starting to grow, and the numbers for him in May have been simply uh, terrific. When you look at what we have coming up out there, uh, we have, right now, it should be somewhere in the top five draft picks this year. We don't have a second-round pick. Then... In 2022, 23, 24, think about it. We have, I think it's a total of 17 picks, draft picks. We have all of our first-round picks and then 12 second-round picks. That's pretty darn good. You look at who's going to be a free agent for the Cavaliers. Well, Allen is a restricted free agent this year. Deliver is a free agent. Uh, Hartenstein has a player option, I believe. Uh, Jeremy Martin, restricted free agent. Roderick Thomas. You know, you want to go out and find somebody. And and this, by the way, is supposed to be a pretty good draft coming up. So uh, you could get somebody in that first pick that is really good.
2: Well, Coach, uh, on that note, we're going to let you uh, finish off that cappuccino that you started sipping when you settled into the Legends chair. Can't tell you how much of a thrill this was. This was an awesome conversation, some great recollections, and uh, let's not make this the only time you joined Jim and I on the show.
3: Appreciate it very much, guys, and and I know you'll feel better when I tell you the first cappuccino was gone a long time ago. We are number (laughs) two right now, okay?
2: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Mike, we really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. (laughs) Mike Fritello, too deep into the cappuccinos in that legend's chair. That was a lot of fun. Jim and I will come back. We'll have more on Caps HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams right after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Coral bouncing the lane to Allen. Put it up off the glass, and good as he took it right to Tristan. That's right. Strong move by Jared Allen. Sexton, long three. Good! Colin Sexton from downtown, and all of a sudden, the Cavs are red hot beyond the line. Garland behind his back on the dribble. Drives and scores. Oh, a nifty move by DG. Went behind the back. Took it to the rack and scored.
1: This young man is so good. He can do whatever he wants to do with that ball. And we welcome you back
2: to Caps HQ. Presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elcorn, Jim Jones. Other side of the glass, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, Leo Simone. Boy, Jim, that was special with Mike Fratello. You talk about a guy that we could have done uh, three more segments with and still had plenty left to talk about. My goodness, he's a... He's a just this fountain of knowledge as far as the NBA and basketball overall is concerned.
1: Yeah, he is Tim. And one of the things that we've tried to do and you and I've talked about it along with Leo, is talk about things that people don't know or 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 didn't know the depth of some of our guests. And the thing about Mike Fatel, he is coached on every level, international, you know, with the FIBA teams and the Ukraine national basketball team and and uh, he was with USA the Olympic basketball and America Cup he was the head coach there in, in uh, 2020 so 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 Mike has been around and uh, to for people not to know what this man has been through and his exposure and his experience is criminal you know and so when you start reading about Mike and then you understand some of his history you know uh, I want our fans to appreciate him like I appreciate him and I know you do
2: so, Jim, uh, one more game to go. The Brooklyn Nets will close out the regular season for the Cavaliers, and then it gets into a very intriguing off season. But kind of looking back on the 2021 campaign, uh, albeit with the one game remaining, uh, what will be your thoughts of this year?
1: My main thought was that, for the most part, they were competitive. Uh, and the second thing beyond the competitiveness, our young players develop because of the exposure and the experience of playing night in and night out. The third thing that I like and that I I really appreciate is how J.B. Bickerstaff never wavered from his conversation and his narrative of team first, development, playing together, playing the game the right way. And that in itself is a foundation for where they want to go as a culture. As long as the coach and management are reiterating that, then what it does, Tim, it buys them time to let these kids develop. Because nobody in our league comes in here and sets the world on fire unless they're a LeBron James or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Michael Jordan. So you have to give these kids space to develop, and the best way for them to develop is to be on the floor. I think jB and his staff and Kobe's administration have stayed true to that. and that's and, uh, and what's happened, these young kids have flourished.
2: Well, you talk about two young men that really flourished this year, uh, Darius Garland. unfortunately, uh, the injury, the ankle uh, right before the season ended. He saw some minutes Friday night against Washington. but Boy, DG's play coming down the stretch was just terrific. And then, how about Isaac Okoro from about mid-March, uh, maybe early April on? Uh, that young man has shown why he was worthy of the number number five pick in the NBA draft.
1: Yeah, uh, he uh, he has. And Coach Fatello, you know, with that coaching mind of his and understanding players, was all over it. You know, you throw him into the fire. And there's so many things that he has to adjust to. And plus he's guarding the top uh, players on on everybody's team. There's a lot of stuff in your head. And I do know from being a young player myself that I started to get better once I gained experience. I started to get better once I could put a lot of stuff behind me and completely focus on the strategy and the personnel and the opponent at hand. And that's what we've seen from Okoro. Uh, He has a lot of tremendous upside because uh, once he learns to get that two-dribble mid-range so that he's got the catch-and-shoot, which he's working on diligently, we all know that his biggest strength is getting to the rim and finishing. But if he can get a two-dribble mid-range, Tim, then he will complete what we call the sequence, which is a catch-and-shoot, a mid-range, two-dribble mid-range, and then uh, the ability to ball fake and get to the rim. All three of those things are going to happen for this young man. So the staff has done a fantastic job with him.
2: Well, it was Jimmy Butler that said uh, of Isaac Okoro, his potential is out of this world. Hopefully he is 10 times better than I am. When Jimmy Butler is saying that about you as a 20-year-old, indeed, the sky could be the limit for Isaac Okoro.
1: Well, I remember when Jimmy got started in Chicago, And uh, he never started. He would come off the bench and lock you up. He would be so physical that the players that I saw that he was playing against would want to fight him, and he was prepared just to do that. He was so hungry that his mouth slimed. I mean, Jimmy Butler uh, learned how to play thanks to Tom Thibodeau, putting him out there just like we're doing Okora, let them take their lumps, uh, with all the understanding that these kids are tough enough to withstand it and flourish, and that's what's happened to Okoro.
2: And again, uh, one more game for the Cavs as far as this year is concerned. Brooklyn on Sunday night, seven o'clock tip, six thirty with the Huntington Tip-Off Show on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network, and then a. Very interesting off-season to come. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers radio network. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Sherwin-Williams, Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones. Boy, that was a terrific show. A great big thank you goes out to former Cavalier head coach and really NBA coaching legend Mike Fratello, who also has done incredible work on the TV side of the business. Mike, we really appreciated it. Of course, a great big thank you to the three guys on the other side of the window, Leo, Simone, and the dynamic duo of Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen, Jim Jones, a great big thank you to you once again. That Black book of yours opened up, and wow, what a guest to pull out in Mike Fratello. Biggest thanks, of course, go to you, the listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, we've got one more regular season game coming your way Sunday night. The Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets will close out the 2021 season. Tip-off in Brooklyn will come your way at 7 o'clock, which means the Huntington Tip-Off show is set for 630 on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. So until then, this is Tim Elcorn saying once again, thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of Cavs HQ presented by Sherwin-Williams on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.
0: Cavs HQ was brought to you by Sherwin-Williams, the official paint and coatings partner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And by Huntington. If you need guidance on your money right now, talk to Huntington. Welcome.